Welcome in. It is the Chief Stone Podcast. I'm Farz Misugi and jam-packed edition of the Chief Stone Podcast today. A lot to get into. Chiefs and Seahawks Sunday Night Football Preview. We will break down that game. Also, the Pro Bowl roster is out. Which Chiefs made it? Which Chiefs are alternate? Some snubs in there, of course, so we'll discuss that. Also, the latest injury report for the Chiefs, as there have been some interesting names on that injury report for the Chiefs. An update on Kendall Fuller, Spencer Ware, Cameron Irving. We'll talk about that. Also, top-tier teams are stumbling in the NFL right now. So if you're a Chiefs fan still stressed out from last Thursday's loss, well, relax, because the Chiefs aren't the only one right now. So we'll discuss that. Also, NFL ratings way up this year compared to the past two years. We'll discuss that. Why is that the case? And what's also impacting the NFL ratings going up? In other words, who's benefiting from that the most? We'll discuss that. Plus, you will not believe who the Oakland Raiders signed. All of that and much more on this episode of the Chiefs Still Podcast. Again, my name is Farzee Vasuga. Appreciate all of you guys making this podcast part of your day. Subscribe if you haven't already. iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify. You guys can share the links as well on social media. I'm on social media. Facebook page is facebook.com slash Vesugian. Give it a like. Follow me on Facebook. We will do a Facebook Live video at halftime and after the game this Sunday night when the Chiefs and Seahawks play. Uh, so interact with me on there, plus all the commentary throughout the week and during the game. Follow me on Twitter at Farzine21, plus my email Farzine at FarzineVesugian.com. I've got to say... Uh, I appreciate all the social media interaction this week. There have been a lot of... uh, We posted a lot of things on the social media page, some that have gone viral. Uh, We've shared a few videos as well that people have really enjoyed interacting. A few uh, interesting comments on a couple of them, but uh, really appreciate all of you guys. Uh, uh, The post reach... Which is essentially how many people uh, people have... uh, The the posts have gone out to. uh, They've been able to see them. The post reach have been uh, about a quarter of a million... In the past six days. So I appreciate all of you guys who have commented, reacted, given it a like, or shared all of the uh, posts that we've had in the past week. Appreciate all of you guys who have done that. Uh, especially this time of year when everyone's really busy out and about. Uh, so I appreciate all of you guys who have done that. Also, I did mention on this episode, I'll uh, discuss the uh, media story, my media journey, and why I'm no longer in that. Uh, I don't want to get into that too much, but a lot of you guys have been asking about that, so I will address that on this episode of the podcast. Real quickly, before we get started, I did want to share a funny story. I mentioned this on uh, Facebook and Twitter, but if you didn't see this, and I'm mentioning this because the Chiefs are coming off a Thursday night football game. Uh, when I was working at 610, and again, I'll, I'll get into that story later on. Uh, when I was working at 610, the Chiefs did have a Thursday night game against the Raiders. That was the uh, game where the Raiders were winless. I think 0-8, and then they... Uh, they uh, got their first win on Thursday Night Football against the Chiefs, their first win of the year. Obviously a disappointing loss for Kansas City, but obviously the Chiefs didn't play on Sunday. So what 610 Sports and 810 did, uh, they both broadcasted NFL games, and 810 won the ratings battle that day because they had more divisional action on their stations than Kansas City did. Uh, but I was, at, uh, I was actually uh, producing and running the board uh, the day on Sunday when we were running uh, three NFL games, uh, early afternoon, uh, late afternoon, and Sunday Night Football. And I remember that because that was the same night where Odell Beckham Jr. made that crazy one-handed grab. So I still remember working that day uh, for 6'10". 
but while we're broadcasting all these games, a fan calls into the station uh, asking why she can't find the Chiefs game on air. And my response was, well, the Chiefs played on Thursday. I should have said the Chiefs don't play today, uh, but instead the words that came out of my mouth were the Chiefs... uh, the Chiefs played on Thursday, and, and the person who, who was on the other line, it was a woman, and I think she was an elderly woman, not trying to pick on her for that, but her reaction was was pretty interesting and, and, and kind of funny, but uh, I told her, I said, the, the Chiefs played on on Thursday, and she goes, I know they played on Thursday, and I saw them lose, but I can't find them on TV today, and it took a second for that to register in my head, and I'm thinking, okay, she doesn't realize that the, that the Chiefs don't don't play a Sunday game. So I so I tried to inform her. I said, "Ma'am, the the, the Chiefs don't uh, the NFL teams don't play a game on Sunday if they play on Monday or Thursday." And she goes, "I know they play Thursday, but I want to see them today." And I explained to her the rules one more time. And then she asked, "Why don't they play on Sunday?" Essentially, she was she was expecting the Chiefs to play two games in three and a half days. So. Uh, I was on the phone with that lady for quite a bit, but look, I mean, (laughs) it was just like, they lost on Thursday. Why would you want to see them? I I think once they lose to the Raiders, a winless team, you probably don't want to see them for a good 10 days. So why would you want to see the Chiefs right after that? Uh, I get it. You want to see them redeem right away, but man, after a game like that, you probably did not want to see them for quite a bit, but, uh, there was one fan out there who wanted to see them. Instantly. So, uh, hey, uh, I mean, we have those kinds of fans out there. By the way, uh, the Chiefs, there is a possible flex situation on the way. Not for a Sunday night football game in Week 17. Uh, However, uh, the Chargers and the Chiefs obviously competing for the division. And and by the way, I'll get to this very shortly. I do need to clarify something because I've been using ESPN's uh, playoff machine as my source for all these playoff scenarios. And it appears that they might be way off uh, on a lot of things. And I'll get to what I have said that could have been inaccurate. I'll mention all the other reports and what they have been saying about the Chiefs uh, this week. So I'll get into that shortly. However, if the Chiefs and Chargers are still both competing for uh, for the division and possibly uh, the home field advantage in Week 17, there is a good chance that the Chiefs will flex their game to, or the NFL will flex it to a 325 kickoff game. Right now, here's what's going on week 17. Chargers are visiting the Broncos. That is a 325 kickoff game. The Raiders are visiting the Chiefs at Arrowhead. That is a noon kickoff game right now, but uh, I would expect that if the Chiefs and Chargers are still competing, I would expect that game to be flexed to a uh, 325 kickoff game. The reason is, in 2015, in week 17... The uh, Chiefs had a chance to surpass the Broncos for the division title. Now, in order for competition to be fair, the NFL flexed Kansas City's game against the Raiders to a 325 or 305, whichever it was that that, that year uh, in Week 17. They flexed it to the same time as the Broncos playing the Chargers that season. So at this point, so essentially, and because the Chargers and Broncos, I mean, their time zones are different, so they're not going to flex the Denver game to a noon kickoff game because then it would be 11 o'clock at Mountain Standard Time in Denver. So they're not going to flex the Denver game. So the only option would be to have the Chiefs and Raiders 
flex their game to a 325 kickoff game the same exact time as to when the Chargers and the, and the Broncos get their game underway. So if things don't go Kansas City's way this week and if the division is still up for grabs, there's a chance that the uh, Chargers, or excuse me, the Chiefs and Raiders game gets flexed from noon to 325. So I'm saying that because if you do have a ticket to that game, uh, be aware of that possible scenario, not this Sunday, but the Sunday afterwards. Now, I do have to clarify, uh, I may have made a mistake on Kansas City's playoff scenario. So let me say what I have been saying to you guys. And again, this is, and I've mentioned the source for this the entire time, so please don't kill me on this one but according to ESPN's playoff machine if the Chiefs win and if the Chargers lose uh the Chargers do play the uh, the Ravens this Saturday if the Chargers were to lose and if the Chiefs won Sunday night the division is not over yet and if the Chiefs lose in week 17 and if the Chargers were to win then the Chargers would win the AFC West uh, due to uh, the tiebreaker that would allow them to come through as division winners. It would be the uh, tiebreaker uh, record against common opponents. Now, it appears that ESPN's playoff machine might be incorrect in a lot of areas, not just for the Chiefs and Chargers situation. Because according to NFL's uh, communications department, Kansas City clinches the AFC West division title and a first-round bye if... The following happened. Number, uh, actually, the only thing that, that could lead to this is a Chargers loss, which the Chargers do play first, and again, that's Saturday night against the Ravens, plus a Kansas City win. Both would have to happen in order to lock up the AFC West, plus a first-round bye. So, I apologize if I have misinformed any of you guys in the past. Again, I, I'm telling you guys I, I was using ESPN's uh, playoff machine as my source for all that, but again, it appears ESPN's playoff machine might be inaccurate. Now, again, games against common opponents, people are confused by this. People are also saying that the the Chiefs have a better, better division record than the Chargers. Well, that's true for right now, but if the Chiefs lose to the Raiders and if the Chargers beat the Broncos, then they both have the same division record, and they would also both have the same conference record as well, uh... That is assuming the Chargers would win on Saturday. So again, I don't know which is correct. I would probably side with the NFL's communications department because it is the NFL at the end of the day. Mistakes could happen though, although I I assume with these kinds of things, they probably double, triple, quadruple check everything with multiple people in their department to make sure, because these are key situations here, big scenarios. So I think they double check all of their work. So I think it might be ESPN that has the mishap here. But the Chiefs do clinch the AFC West and a first-round bye if they win and if the Chargers lose on Saturday night to the Ravens. So, again, I apologize once again uh, if I have given uh, incorrect information in the past. Uh, because of that, again, I like I said, this wasn't just me going with my math uh, on my own. This is something that I used ESPN for, and it seems like they are off uh, on that. Uh, Kansas City can actually clinch home field advantage Throughout the AFC, if uh, the following happens, if the Chiefs win, if the Chargers lose, and if the Texans lose or tie, and if you look at the Texans this week, uh, let me quickly pull up who they're playing. I know I have it written down somewhere on here. The Texans are playing against the Eagles. That'll be a noon game on CBS. So if you have that in your area, since the Chiefs are not playing, that'll be a game that would be worth keeping an eye on. 
Uh, that scenario, or the Chiefs winning, the Chargers losing, uh, and Kansas City clinches strength of victory uh, tiebreaker over Houston. That is, again, according to NFL's communications department. Here's the easiest way to put it. The Chiefs just simply need to win. Simply win if the Chargers win and or if the Texans win. Well, hey, win again in Week 17 against the Raiders. Now, here's an interesting thing because a lot of people are panicking that the Chiefs lost. And I get it. The way they lost was just flat-out brutal. You had a 14-point lead late in the game and you gave it away. Uh, I mean, the Chargers had every reason to lose and the Chiefs had every reason to win. And that didn't happen, obviously. But let me just put it into perspective for everyone because I know a lot of people are still panicking saying that the Chiefs are not Super Bowl contenders. They are pretenders. Well, listen, if the Chiefs are not a team capable of going to the Super Bowl, I don't know who is at this point because a lot of the top-tier teams in the NFL have been struggling lately. Look at the Patriots. They have lost two straight. And by the way, I was watching Bill Belichick's press conference on uh, the Patriots' Facebook page. A fan commented and wrote, time to let Tom Brady sit on the bench. And a lot of Patriots fans were blaming the defense. They gave up 17 points on the road to the Steelers. And again, this is a game where Roethlisberger turned the ball over a couple of times. Uh, yet, you, if Patriots fans want to blame the, uh, the, Patri- uh, the Patriots defense despite giving up 17 points. I don't get it. And I don't agree with that. If you're Tom Brady, the, the, the glorious Tom Brady, you got to score more than 10 points. Uh, and the Patriots did not do that in this game. But anyway, the Patriots have lost two straight. The Steelers just beat the Patriots, but before that, they lost three in a row prior to beating the Pats. By the way, in, during that three-game losing skid, two of them were to teams below 500. One, the Raiders, and one to the Broncos. And by the way, those three games, they lost all AFC West opponents. They were 0-4 against the AFC West this year. The Saints, they barely beat the Panthers, only put up 12 points, and they won the Panthers got a pick two when the Saints were trying to get 14 points and the Panthers made it a three-point game ended up losing still but the Saints barely beating the Panthers the Rams by the way have lost two straight games just like the Patriots they put up six points two weeks ago against the Bears and they scored 23 this past Sunday night against the Eagles but they had to rally to even make it a one possession game Okay, so again, the Patriots and Steelers, who are universally favored every year as the one and two seeds in the AFC, the Saints, who have been dominating this year, as have the Rams on the NFC side of things, and the Chiefs, who have been atop the AFC all year long, I mean, these are teams that have been struggling quite a lot. Only one of them, or two of them rather, won this past week, and the Saints just lost to the Cowboys in a brutal fashion on Thursday Night Football recently. So you want to look at this picture right now. Okay, well, so the Chiefs lost and people want to say they're not a Super Bowl contending team. What about the Rams? They just lost two straight. They're a team that put up 54 on the Chiefs. And I get the Chiefs defense isn't great, but you know, you put up 54 on a Monday night game and then you lose two straight Sunday night games. Are there, I mean, shouldn't we be hitting the panic button for the, the Rams put up six on Chicago. And I guess Chicago has a very good defense. But to only put up six when your offense has been great all year long, that is questionable for sure. And they again, they had to rally to even make it a one-possession game against the Eagles. The Patriots have lost two in a row in December. That never happens under Tom Brady. 
So there are a lot of top-tier teams right now struggling. I've said this before, and I'll say it again. I think a lot of you guys are expecting perfection, and that is not realistic. Especially this time of year in December when everybody is playing for one of two things. Maybe both of these things for even some of the winning teams out there right now. Number one, a lot of teams are playing hard because they want to make that playoff push. They're trying to get home field advantage. They're trying to win a division. They're trying to just clinch a playoff spot. All of these teams are playing hard in December. The other aspect of it, yeah, sure, there are a lot of bad teams out there right now that are playing for placement in the draft, at least from the eyes of fans. But really what fans don't realize is that these coaches and players, they want to keep their jobs. They don't want to get fired in the offseason. They don't want to go look for another job. So they're also playing very hard, making sure that they don't have to get the, they don't get the pink slip and they have to look for employment elsewhere. In the offseason, everyone's playing hard this time of year. So for people who are panicking, stressing up because the Chiefs lost by one point, everybody just relax. Because there are other top tier teams right now that are also struggling. And by the way, speaking of losing, in the last 44 games, including all of the playoff games, uh, essentially since week 6 of the 2016 season, that was after the bye week when the Chiefs got blown up by the Steelers. Kansas City has only had one loss by more than one possession. 13 total losses, and the Chiefs have uh, only lost by more than one possession once. And that was against the Dallas Cowboys. Let me read to you. 2018, this year, they lost to the Patriots and the Rams by three points each. They lost to the Chargers by one point. In the uh, 2017 season, starting with the playoff game, they lost to the Titans by one. They lost to the uh, Steelers by six. Lost to Oakland by one. Lost to Dallas by 11. That was the game where they lost by two possessions. The only game the Chiefs lost by more than one possession. Lost to the New York Giants by three. The Buffalo Bills by six. And the Jets by seven. And if you look at 2016, they lost to the Steelers in the playoffs. They also lost to the Buccaneers and the Titans. Lost all of those games by two points each. Now again... It doesn't matter how many game or how many points you win by or, or lose by. A win is a win and a loss is a loss. And that's all that really counts on the record books. However, I think Chiefs fans need to keep in mind this has to count for something. Under Andy Reid, the Chiefs have not really been blown out in a lot of their games. Yeah, they, I think the most brutal loss was that Steelers Sunday Night Football game where it was essentially over after the first quarter. And after that, I can't really think of another blowout loss the Chiefs have suffered. There was that Sunday night game between the Broncos and Chiefs in 2014. Uh, that, that was not a very pretty football game. Not a terrible blowout by blowout standards necessarily, but it was a one-sided football game at the end of the day. So my point is, you see the Chiefs, again, their last 44 games, including the playoffs, they've lost 13 times. And all of these have been very narrow defeats. It's not like they've been getting killed. And I think when you lose like that narrowly, especially in big games like primetime football games and the playoffs, it just hurts even more. It's like ripping off of a Band-Aid very slowly. It's very, very painful to do. So let me just say this. At the end of the day, I get the frustration, the way that Chiefs have lost some of their games. But you look at some of the other teams. and I mean, the Patriots got blown out by the Titans this year. They're not playing great football by any stretch. Tom Brady got voted into the Pro Bowl. Why? Because he's Tom Brady. I mean, Tom Brady's not even a top 10 QB this year. 
So you look at some of the most recent seasons for the Chiefs and, and people want to live in this world of what have you done for me lately? And I agree with that standard. Well, the Chiefs have won a lot more and even when they've lost, it's not like they've been getting killed in an embarrassing fashion like they were before Andy Reid got here. So keep that in mind. When you look at the situation at hand and look at the big picture because big picture, the Chiefs are still on top of the AFC. And if people, if Chiefs fans want to be pessimistic and say that they are not a Super Bowl contending team, okay, well, the Chargers, yeah, sure, they're creeping up on the Chiefs, but they lost to the Broncos. They let Case Keenum put together a game-winning drive and set up a game-winning field goal in their own home stadium. And I use that term loosely because a lot of visiting teams go to Chargers games. Look at the Patriots. They've lost two straight. The Steelers lost three straight to uh, the AFC West teams. Two of them were below 500. And they just beat the Patriots, which I don't think a lot of people expected considering their losing streak. And I'm just looking at the AFC. I I obviously mentioned the Rams and the Saints and their recent struggles. But the other teams in the AFC are struggling as well. Look at the the Ravens situation right now. They are in a desperate situation and they must win on Saturday to stay alive in the playoff race and possibly even surpass the Steelers in in the division. Excuse me. So everyone just relax. When you look at the situation, the Chiefs have not lost a lot of football games and again when they have not doing so in pitiful fashion where it makes you feel like a college team could beat them and and I think a lot of Chiefs fans had that thought before Andy Reid arrived to Kansas City and speaking of Andy Reid and all the progress he's made with this football team he's he's developed a lot of good football players in Kansas City a couple of them earning their first Pro Bowl bids Patrick Mahomes Obvious pro will bid. He was a top 10 vote getter. So was Travis Kelsey. And Tyreek Hill was also up there as well. Tyreek Hill, by the way, he is going in as a wide receiver. And starting as a wide receiver. So that, that is his first time being voted in as a pro bowler. But has made the pro bowl each of his first three years in the NFL. Anthony Sherman, the fullback, also going into the pro bowl. I predicted this one on Tuesday morning at arrowheadaddict.com. Left tackle Eric Fisher is going to his first pro bowl. And look, he deserves it. Two sacks allowed all year long. I know he, uh, part of that could be due to Mahomes' mobility preventing some of these sacks, but still the two sacks has to count for something. And by the way, according to Joe Corey, who is the cap expert for CBS Sports, Eric Fisher's 2019 base salary increases by $500,000 to $10.35 million with his Pro Bowl selection. D Ford also gets his first Pro Bowl bid. Obviously, some snubs here. Mitchell Schwartz and Chris Jones. How did Chris Jones not make it to the Pro Bowl is beyond me. 10 straight games with a sack. And one of the best in the NFL this year to do so. Mitchell Schwartz, he's only allowed 10.5 sacks and just 19 quarterback pressures. They are both Pro Bowl alternates. Uh, but again, I, Chiefs fans have been saying all year long, though, I don't care about the Pro Bowl. I want to see this team in the Super Bowl. Look, you're allowed to want your team to win games and also want your quarterback to win the MVP award and also want all of your players to make it to the Pro Bowl. Uh, you know what's funny? The narrative went from, I'd rather see the Chiefs in the Super Bowl to how in the hell did Eric Fisher make it to the Pro Bowl? And Mitchell Schwartz didn't. First of all, I I don't even know why the two are being compared. Fisher is a left tackle. Schwartz is a right tackle. Fisher is not competing against Schwartz for that Pro Bowl tackle spot. Uh, There are three left tackles that get voted in and three right tackles that get voted in. Fisher did not take a spot from Mitchell Schwartz, to be clear on that. 
If you want to complain about Mitchell Schwartz getting in, look at the other right tackles that got voted in. And I don't have in front of me who it is. And look, uh, I had a back-and-forth conversation with Jeff Schwartz, the brother of Mitchell Schwartz. Chief fans want to say who cares about the Pro Bowl. Look, you're allowed to feel that way. Uh, I'm not saying how you should feel. But please do be aware that the players actually care about this stuff. Jeff Schwartz was livid. And part of it is because, look, it's his brother. So obviously he's going to be biased for his brother. But he also had some facts to back it up. And I asked him, you know, is it just fan voting? But he also mentioned that players and coaches are voting as well. Players are voting for opposing players, basically the other 31 teams, on the other side of the football. So in other words, Patrick Mahomes, he has to vote for defensive players. Tyreek Hill has to vote for defensive players, and I think because of his special teams position, he is also being asked to vote for a good special teams defender out there, or punters as well. So, players are also voting in this as well. And again, here's a key reason why players give a damn about this kind of stuff. First of all, when it comes to the Hall of Fame, guess what they're going to look at? One of the things, outside of championships, they're going to look at Pro Bowls. They'll also, they'll also consider AP honors as well, but... Pro Bowls are a big deal in the NFL. They are. Whether you like it or not. Whether you care for it or not. Here's the other thing. When it's time for players to get a new contract, whether they're renegotiating or trying to sign with another team, guess what leverage their agents will use? Pro Bowls. Pro Bowl bids. Now, you can also use stats like Pro Football Focus, and if you have their premium sets, which I'm sure agents have, that way they can have those facts in case their players don't have any Pro Bowl invites, if they've been snubbed a lot, they can use that as facts to back up why their players deserve a lot of money. But Mitchell Schwartzman, man, look, uh, that right there uh, is Pro Bowl stuff right there. Khalil Mack, and I'm not saying he got robbed, but Khalil Mack a couple of years ago lost the player, the Defensive Player of the Year award to Von Miller by one vote. And look, Von Miller, he already signed his big deal, but if Khalil Mack gets that one vote, and if he wins Defensive Player of the Year, he probably doesn't even leave Oakland. He probably gets a new contract with Oakland and stays with Oakland. Doesn't even end up in Chicago. So these kinds of awards, the MVP award, the Offensive Defensive Player of the Year, Pro Bowls, these count for big things for these players in the long run from an individual standpoint. So, listen, you don't have to care about the Pro Bowl. I get it. You'd rather see the team in the Super Bowl. I do too. But at the same time, please... Be understanding that this is something that players care about. Brandon Albert was very vocal about his feelings on not being voted into the Pro Bowl a couple of times. He was completely vocal about it on his uh, social media back when he had it. And I know he shut it down. I don't know if he brought, ever brought it back up or not. But back uh, before he left the Chiefs, he was very vocal about that on his uh, on his Twitter account. So a lot of these players... Uh, I mean, look, Tyreek Hill did a video thanking the Chiefs. Uh, or thanking Chiefs fans for voting him in. Uh, so the players take this to heart. They really do. And look, when Tyreek Hill gets ready to sign his new deal, and he's going to be making a lot of money, and hopefully he keeps playing hard after that, but Tyreek Hill's agent is going to say, guess what? This guy was voted in as a return specialist and as a wide receiver, and he's dominating in both facets still up to this point. And the Chiefs are going to say, all right, well... We want to keep this guy, and if you want to, if you want him to have this kind of money, here are all the zeros on this paycheck that you're asking for. So, 
Keep that in mind uh, when you think about the Pro Bowl. And sure, maybe you don't care. But there are those, and referring to players and their agents, that care quite a lot for these kinds of things. Also, alternates uh, outside of Schwartz and Jones, Anthony Hitchens, he is an alternate, as are special teams players Harrison Butker and Dustin Colquitt. They are alternates for the Chiefs as well. Want to get to the Chiefs and Seahawks game. Real quickly, let's discuss the injury report. Kendall Fuller, the cornerback who had wrist surgery last Friday, might actually end up playing. I mentioned that he might miss time because of the surgery, but turns out not as scary or bad as some might think. Kendall Fuller might actually end up playing on Sunday night. Uh, Could actually have a cast. He actually did play with a cast uh, last Thursday against the Chargers and actually got an interception while doing so. Uh, Kendall Fuller, Andy Reid said he did not practice, but Brooke Pryor of the KC Star, she tweeted that Fuller was warming up and stretching with the team, so... Uh, we'll see what happens Thursday and Friday. And of course, I'll, I'll update you guys on social media as the week goes along. Mitchell Schwartz dealing with a knee injury. Sammy Watkins uh, did not practice, uh, likely not going to practice the remainder of the regular season. Andy Reid said that Fuller and Schwartz, by the way, are day-to-day. Players who did practice, Spencer Ware practiced uh, and was limited, as was Cam Irving, both uh, practicing for the first time since they've been hurt. Uh, and by the way, safety Eric Berry... Uh, he uh practicing once again and is expected to play more Sunday night, according to Andy Reid in his uh, press conference on Wednesday. Other key games impacting the Chiefs. I already mentioned the Ravens and Chargers game. That is at 7.20, and all the times I read are Central Standard Time. But that is at 7.20 on NFL Network. On Sunday, the Texans and the Eagles play. That is a noon kickoff game on CBS. And if the Chargers lose, if the Texans lose, and if the Chiefs win, then the Chiefs do clinch home field advantage uh, uh, pretty much Sunday night, they can uh, make that happen. Also Sunday at noon, uh, Patriots still have a chance to take home field advantage away, but they basically need everything to go their way. So if you want to keep an eye on this game, I'll let you guys know, but uh, the Patriots, not really much of a threat at this point. The Bills do visit the Patriots noon on CBS. Uh, and the Chiefs, again, don't play, obviously. Uh, they play Sunday night, so they, they don't have a noon game or a 3.05 uh, or 3.25 game. So a uh, good chance to check out some of the other teams in the AFC that are right behind Kansas City. Of course, you got the Chargers Saturday night and on Sunday. You can watch either the Patriots or the Texans or both if you have that capability. So that is what to look out for Sunday before the Chiefs and Seahawks play Sunday night. Casey going into that Sunday night game, by the way, 19 straight games where the Chiefs have scored at least 24 points. And that is something big. To hang your hat on. The Chiefs have not scored less than 24 in a game this year. Uh, And that includes the four-quarter period I mentioned with the Ravens. They actually scored 27 if you include the overtime period. So if you want to exclude that part of it, the fewest amount of points the Chiefs have scored this this season, 26 against the Arizona Cardinals. So that's what the Chiefs have going their way coming into this Sunday Night Football game. Head coach for the Seahawks, Pete Carroll, longtime defensive assistant in the NFL and in college, was a head coach briefly for the Jets and Patriots and for a while at USC, and that ended up leading him to Seattle. Almost became the first ever head coach to win multiple national titles at the college level and almost won two Super Bowls. No other head coach has done that, winning two national titles in college and two Super Bowls in the NFL. And Pete Carroll came damn close to doing so. Uh, And, of course, former offensive coordinator 
uh, Daryl Bevel uh, made that bad play call, and that's what led to it. But offensive coordinator Brian Schottenheimer, a lot of people very familiar with Brian Schottenheimer. Of course, he's son of Marty Schottenheimer, former Chiefs head coach in Kansas City. Uh, Brian Schottenheimer, while Marty was the head coach in KC, Schottenheimer went to Blue Valley High School, just actually very close to where I live. Uh, one, and actually just two miles uh, in the rival of the high school I went to, Blue Valley West. Uh, and by the way, I'll just say this, because I was a little familiar with Blue Valley High School, man, their football program, I mean, they're pretty crazy about it. I know a lot of high schools, only their uh, varsity cheerleaders will cheer at the uh, Friday night high school games, but Blue Valley takes it to another level, man. They, I mean, they will bring their freshman, sophomore cheerleaders for their, for their Friday night games, and they go all out for this. I mean, the, the, the fans and the atmosphere they have for their high school games, uh, it's almost like a college atmosphere. It really is. And that is where Brian Schottenheimer went to high school, and he actually led Blue Valley High School to a 5A state title as a senior in 1991. He went to KU for just one year as a backup QB, then transferred to Florida, didn't play much, but was part of their uh, successful uh, run at some of the titles they had. Briefly was an assistant under his dad in Kansas City, uh, as well as with the Rams. Uh, was an offensive coordinator from the Jets from two, or for the Jets from 2006 to 2011. Also in St. Louis as DOC from 2012 to 2014, in Georgia for one year in 2015, and in 2018, he is serving as the offensive coordinator replacing Daryl Bavell, who I just mentioned had that infamous horrible play call at the one-yard line that led to an interception against the Patriots. Defensive coordinator for the Seahawks, Ken Norton Jr., former Dallas Cowboys and 49ers linebacker in the NFL during his playing days, and special teams coach Brian Schneider, Coaching that same position since February 4th of 2010 after one year with USC and, of course, reuniting with Pete Carroll. So, obviously, the connection there has kept him his job with the Seattle Seahawks. And, again, coaching special teams for a very long time uh, in his 11 years as a coach. Looking at the Seahawks' offense, they're ninth in points per game, scoring almost 26 a game. 19th in the NFL in total offense, 27th in passing but they rank number one in running the football, 155 yards per game on the ground on average. And you look at running back Chris Carson, the leading rusher for the Seahawks. He is ninth in the NFL in rushing with 913 yards. Also has six touchdowns on the ground. Has yet to run a play for more than 40 yards, oddly enough. Uh, Carson did run for 119 yards against the 49ers. Also ran uh, in for a touchdown. Uh, plus had the six catches, uh, and that was his best game of the year as the Seahawks had that overtime loss against the 49ers. But you look at some of the backups for the Seahawks, Mike Davis and Rashad Penny. Those guys both have more than 400 yards rushing on the season. In fact, all three running backs that I mentioned, they've each had a 100-yard rushing performance in at least one game this season, so... That's a big reason why Seattle is number one in running the football. And keep in mind, they've also got a scrambling quarterback in Russell Wilson. And he obviously does a lot on the ground, but also through the air as well. You look at Russell Wilson in the type of season. And by the way, I can't forget former KC hitter Tyler Lockett, who I'll touch on shortly. Very explosive speed. And he does some things on the ground as well. So keep that in mind. And Wilson, by the way, he's ran 57 times for 321 yards. So again, a big reason why. The Seahawks are very good at running the football. And you look at Russell Wilson, what he's been doing. He just went over the 3,000-yard passing mark 
Uh, he's 20th in passing yards, has 31 touchdown passes and six picks. The 31 touchdowns ties third in the NFL with two other players. Tyler Lockett, I mentioned former Wildcat, 51 catches for 800 yards and nine touchdowns on the season. Uh, one of the fastest players in the NFL. Maybe not Tyreek Hill type of fast, but he's right behind him in that category. Doug Baldwin, 465 yards and four touchdowns off 41 receptions. Uh, they don't use their tight ends a whole lot. Their top tight end, Nick Vanett, 25 catches for 241 yards. As a matter of fact, Seattle tight ends this season combined for 34 receptions. Travis Kelsey has 93, more uh, two and a half times more than Seattle tight ends combined. You look at Seattle's offensive line, They've got Jermaine Afidi. He will go up against Steve Ford, and Afidi's allowed seven sacks this season while committing 10 penalties on the year. And by the way, the seven sacks he's given up, that is a single season high in his career already. Left tackle Dwayne Brown, he's given up just four sacks this year, but could be challenged against Justin Houston, who leads the NFL in forced fumbles. You look at left guard J.R. Sweezy, he's going to have a very tough game against Chris Jones. He's committed eight penalties this year. And he's given up three and a half sacks. So expect Chris Jones to get held quite a lot in this game. So I expect the, I think this, uh, this Seahawks team, look, it's obvious. Run the damn football. This Chiefs team has not been able to stop anybody on the ground. And if they did so in this game, it would be a damn surprise to all of us. So the Seahawks are going to run the football. Everyone knows this. Andy Reid knows this. Uh, the drunk guy sitting all the way in the back row at this game in Seattle. He knows this because the Chiefs are terrible in stopping the run while the Seahawks are the best at it. So it's pretty obvious that's going to happen in this football game. But I think the biggest problem with Seattle is the moment they choose to pass the football, look, they've got to limit their passes in this football game as long as they're not playing from behind by a lot because that's not where you want to find yourself. Yeah, sure, Kansas City secondary, not the greatest, especially if they're going to be without Kendall Fuller. But that front seven for the Chiefs, they are deadly. They will make you pay for it. And I, I didn't mention, I mentioned D4, Justin Houston, and Chris Jones, but got to include Alan Bailey in there as well. He's been having a very good season, quietly a good season for the Chiefs this year. So the thing that I'm struggling the most is how does Seattle try to find this balance of not committing penalties and trying to keep Russell Wilson clean because the Chiefs do have a good front seven? Uh, and if this run-stopping defense, if they can't have that rare spark, then it's going to be a long day defensively. And I think this could be a shootout. And I, I, Look, prediction right here, the Seahawks are going to have a great day offensively against this Chiefs defense. Uh, not a hot take, not, not, a, not, not groundbreaking by all means. I think you all predict the same thing. It's just going to come down to this. Whenever the Seahawks pass, and depending how much they pass in this football game, can Kansas City use that to take advantage? Because they're not very—they're 27th in passing. They don't have a big passing threat. Sure, Tyler Lockett's good, and maybe he can torch this Kansas City secondary, and maybe they can not look like a 27th passing team because of Kansas City secondary. I don't know. But the moment they do pass, that's when that front seven has to be dominant like they were in the first half against Phillip Rivers. Because if they play like that for four quarters, man, it's going to be a really rough day for that Chargers, or excuse me, for that Seahawks team. However, I don't think Schottenheimer is going to do that and put his team in that position against his Chiefs defense. Switching over to Seattle's defense, they're 7th in points per game allowed with nearly 21 points per game. 
they're seventh in uh, they're, they're excuse me ninth in scoring and seventh in points allowed. So in the top ten in both of those categories, nineteenth in total defense in which they're nineteenth in total offense, twentieth uh, against the pass though, and they're fifteenth against the run. So listen, uh, let, let me just say this real quickly about Seattle's defense. Pro Bowler Bobby Wagner, highest rated inside linebacker by Pro Football Focus. Uh, he had a pick six that went 98 yards. Also has two forced fumbles plus a sack. The defensive line for Seattle is very good. Frank Clark, he's going to go up against Eric Fisher. And Clark is tied eighth in the NFL in sacks with 12. Jerron Reed has eight and a half sacks on the year. And Deion Jordan will go up against Mitchell Schwartz. Only has half a sack, but still has been very good for that Seahawks defensive line this year. Uh, Jayhawks, uh, or former Jayhawks safety, Bradley McDougald has three forced fumbles plus three picks on the year, tying Earl Thomas on the team for most, who almost became a chief. Cornerback Trey Flowers also has three forced fumbles, plus safety Tedrick Thompson one forced fumble on the season. Very aggressive secondary. Probably the most aggressive secondary Kansas City will face in 2018. And also, they've got Shaquille Griffin, the cornerback who has two interceptions, not to be confused with his twin brother, uh, who was born uh, with amniotic band syndrome. His left hand did not fully develop. A lot of people know about this, uh, yet still made it to the NFL. Great story uh, for Shaquem Griffin uh, playing in the NFL. He's got 10 t- tackles on the year, playing mostly on special teams for the Seahawks. And you look at their uh, special teams units. Returner, Tyler Lockett, obviously one of the best in the game despite not having a touchdown. Still very fast and can ta- can't ever take him lightly. Longest kick return was 84 yards. Again, no touchdown, but does have that under his belt. Kicker Sebastian Janikowski. Every Chiefs fan knows who this guy is. Been with the Raiders for a very long time. Uh, and as a matter of fact, he has the uh, longest field goal made against the Chiefs ever with a 54-yarder in 2008. And that was at Arrowhead. As far as right now with the Seahawks, he's made all 10 of his field goals in the last six games. Did, however, miss two PATs against the 49ers in Week 13. 19 of 23 on the season for Seabass. Their Pro Bowl punter, Michael Dixon, he is going to his first Pro Bowl as a rookie. So, good season for him. He has the highest net average punting yard in the NFL. So, a very good season for him. And he's sixth in overall average. Uh, only four touchbacks, no punt return touchdowns allowed. Longest punt return allowed, 31 yards on the year for Dixon, the rookie. Again, a pro, one of two Pro Bowls, uh, Pro Bowl players, excuse me, for the Seahawks this season. All right, I have Kansas City winning this football game, 31 to 30. Here's why. I think both offenses are going to do pretty well in this football game. Defenses are both going to struggle. It's just going to come down to which defense can come through when it matters the most. And the Chiefs fit that bill because they have come through in key situations. Maybe not against a team like Los Angeles. I almost said San Diego. But more times than not, they have made a lot of big plays to help Kansas City at least either build a gap in a lead or come through in a very key situation, such as Justin Houston with that strip sack recovery on the Ravens a couple of weeks ago. I think Kansas City is capable of making more big plays than Seattle's defenses, and I think that is going to be the big difference maker. And I've got the Chiefs winning this one, 31-30, to Sunday Night Football. Before we get to our closing segments, I did promise you guys I did want to touch on this. 
this is uh, this is something you guys have been asking for a for a while. And it, look, I, I don't shy away from any comments you guys send my way, any questions you guys have. But this is something that I have, and I've gotten emails about this too. Uh, this is something I have avoided discussing, and I'll I'll address it now. Because you guys, and I, listen, a lot of you guys have supported me a long time. I started this podcast when I was 16 years old. I would not have even listened to another 16-year-old podcaster, but for those who have listened to me since the beginning, you guys have, and I appreciate that. Uh, and even if you haven't listened since the very beginning, you guys have listened for a while, or if you're a new listener, you guys have been interacting with me quite a lot on social media, so I appreciate all the support you guys have done uh, and have provided. So I feel like that's why I'm providing this story. And another thing... Uh, a lot of uh, I actually have had people ask me as, as in fact someone this past weekend sent me a message asking for advice. People have been saying, "Hey, look, I, I, I love listening to your podcast. I love uh, reading your stuff. I, I want to do what you're doing. What can I do to get started? What can I do in college and whatnot?" And I always like getting questions like that. I'm always willing to help people. Um, for anyone that is maybe in high school listening to this, this is not in any way trying to make anyone shy away from the media industry, and this is also not in any attempt a pity party. Uh, let me just say this right now. Where I am professionally in my life, as well as personally, I'm in a very happy spot. At one point, I was kind of upset that the media thing did not work out, but trust me, I, I'm completely happy with where I am right now. So here's my thing. Journalism has really declined over the years, especially in sports media. I'm sure you guys just heard, uh, if you live in Kansas City, Fox 4 in Kansas City, they are wiping out their sports department. There will not be a sports team covering the Chiefs playoffs this season, which is asinine. They want their news guys to do it, and trust me, it's not going to go well. They're going to regret that. Uh, Metro Sports, which is now, what, Spectrum Sports? It was Time Warner Cable Sports Network, now it's Spectrum Sports. They've let go of a lot of their sports anchors. Fox Sports... Their website has completely changed. They let go of all 60 of their regional baseball writers, as well as many other regional writers that they've had, and they're doing full-blown video now. So media has been changing quite a lot. Now, I was very fortunate, out of college, uh, took me a couple of months to, to find a job in the media, but started working in... First, I got started with Bleacher Report, and unfortunately, they let me go. I saw an MMA writer who was recently let go. A lot of uh, writers from Bleacher Report have been let go over the years. Uh, but I also did uh, end up working for 610, as well as the Kansas City Star. I worked for the Star on two separate occasions. Uh, one as a uh, freelance writer covering community news in Johnson County. So if you live in Johnson County, get the 913 section. Uh, that is is what I did for a little bit. And then I also did the uh, sports page where I, where you basically see the scores from high school, NFL, NBA, NHL, whatever. I helped with that for a little bit. And by the way, they have wiped that job away. If you've noticed a theme, I've mentioned a lot of jobs in sports media have been tarnished. Extinct with the dinosaurs, essentially. So here's my thing. I was very fortunate because a lot of my journalism classmates, I would say 98% of them are not even in sports media or just any media whatsoever, or they didn't even get a career going in media. It's a very difficult thing to do. I was very fortunate. Uh, I was able to, and by the way, I don't want to burn any bridges with some of the stories I'm about to share. And if I do, I'm not concerned about it. Uh, in fact, I was frustrated at times, and I think people do deserve to know this part of the story. Uh, but I was very fortunate. I, I, I got uh, within a week... 
I got uh, jobs with Bleacher Report, 610 Sports Radio, The Star, and The Lawrence Journal World. I mean, basically, I was working four part-time jobs, as well as my full-time job, which family-owned business, I won't get into that, but again, trust me when I say I'm very happy with that and how that's gone uh, for me personally and professionally. But at the time, you know, working four part-time jobs, and I had the t- time to do all of that, I-, I felt pretty lucky at the time. I really did. Uh, and I was willing to put as many hours possible. You know, I, I was willing to dig the dirt, you know, get get my hands dirty and do as much as I needed to do to move up. And, and they all liked what, what they saw in me. As a matter of fact, I was writing for a magazine, uh, contributing to them. Uh, they, they accidentally assigned the same story to two people. One was me and one was a star writer. And they said, look, whoever has a better story is going to end up having theirs published. And they actually ended up going with mine. And a big reason is because a lot of people in, in media, especially sports media, are pretty damn lazy. You guys can speculate on maybe who I'm referring to, whether it's local or national guys. Uh, but there are a lot of lazy people that don't take the time to do their research with these kinds of things. Let me just say, I enjoyed working the jobs I did. But part of it, man, the pay was not very good. And I was not very happy with that. I knew what I was getting into, but once I got into it, uh, it, it was a kind of a wake-up wake call for me. Let me put it this way. What I made at 610... Uh, I, I passed by a Target in the Kansas City area on a on a weekly basis uh, when I need to run some errands. They have a a sign at the at the corner of their building. It says starting at twelve dollars an hour. That's more than what I got at the radio station. And speaking of the radio station at six ten, uh, this was when the Royals had their hot World Series run. They were getting ready for the twenty fifteen season, which the Royals won the World Series that year. And they wanted some of their part-timers to go out there and help out with pre-game coverage and post-game coverage because the Royals, that was a big deal for them with Josh Vernier who does their Royals pre- and post-game stuff. And obviously, you know, you got to get to the game. It's a three-hour game plus post-game coverage. That's about an hour, maybe two hours. So that's five hours of dedication there, but they weren't willing to pay their part-timers for that. And that is something I was not willing to do at all. Folks, let me just say this right now. I don't know if you guys have heard of Telltale Games. They design video games. Uh, they sell popular comic books like Batman, The Walking Dead, uh, Game of Thrones. They laid off a bunch of their employees. And one employee actually was vocal on social media saying that he put in lots of overtime hours. Didn't get paid for a lot of them. And it ended up being for nothing. And... I'm shocked at how many people out there are willing to work for free in media. I'm not one of them, man. I'm just not. I don't think anyone should work for free in any aspect whatsoever. If you're working a job, you should be paid for it. And I was not willing to do that. And right when baseball season started, I did get the job offer from the Royals to work as their stadium DJ. Uh, And I worked a lot of games for them. Didn't work every game, but filled in a lot for their main DJ. Uh, Essentially, I was the backup quarterback for them. And let me just say this. What I made in one game with the Royals would have taken me almost two weeks at 6'10". So it was a very, even though that was a seasonal job with the Royals, very easy decision for me, considering what I had with my full-time job as well. So long story short, why I'm not in sports media, part of it's the pay, part of it's the amount of work you're putting in and the very little reward behind it you don't really get recognized for it that much and in the long run do you even get to where you want to be probably it would take a while but 
that's not something I was willing to do. I, uh, and a lot of these media jobs, level entry type of jobs, a lot of them are in small markets, and that's not something I'm willing to do. I, I, I dated someone in college, and I visited her small town, which is right in the middle of Kansas. Yeah, I, I was ready to get out right away. Uh, so, so it's one of those things where, again, sports media is a lot of fun. I don't want to discourage anyone, uh, a, a young fan listening. I, I don't want to discourage anybody that wants to get into it. If you want to get into it, hey, put in all the work and effort because maybe it'll pay off and maybe you'll get to where you want to be. Uh, but I'll tell you what, man, uh, a lot of my classmates, no, almost none of them are in uh, the media industry. Maybe just a couple of them. As a matter of fact, when I was at 610, a lot of my classmates were asking me, hey, can you hook me up with a job? And I mean, I had dozens of requests for people wanting to get a job with 610, and I couldn't obviously fulfill all of them, nor let alone one. So again, that's why I'm not in it. Uh, a lot of you guys have asked this. And again, not just seeing a lot of 610 with, their, with what was going on there. Uh, this was an issue with, uh, at the KC Star as well. Again, I was putting in a lot of time in there and very little reward for it. Didn't end up getting what I wanted in the long run. And I knew that other professional ventures I had uh, as an option, they were way better for me. And let me say one other thing. It, Like I said, you put in a lot of time and effort. Working in media is a very time-consuming deal it takes up a lot of your life and again the reward for it is not very big and i was not willing to do much of it so again for those who have been asking for a very long time i hope this answers any of the questions you've had uh i don't really feel like i need to get into the details for a lot of these things uh i could but 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 i don't think that's appropriate to do in this setting uh, I, I feel like I've answered what I've needed to answer. So for those who have been curious, or maybe for those who are new listening and wondering why I'm not doing anything in sports media, I'm very happy with what I'm doing, blogging and podcasting, making just side money on it. I would not consider it a part-time job. Uh, doing it for fun and making a little bit of money, which is which is cool. Uh, but my main source of income comes from my full-time job and also occasionally when I work for the Royals. Uh, I never mentioned this, but I actually did work. I, I was the DJ for the Chiefs preseason games this year. It was fun to do, but uh, I'm sorry. I'm just not waking up 6.30 a.m. on a Sunday. I'm not. I need my weekend. <laughs> and I'm fortunate to the point where I don't need that job necessarily. So I said, hey, thanks, but no thanks to them. So I was an employee for the Chiefs in 2018. So if they won the Super Bowl this year, you know who to thank. Uh, but no, seriously, I, I, I hope and I feel like I've answered all the questions that you guys have asked for me. And one other thing I do want to say I don't think I've ever said this on the podcast. When I worked at 610, a lot of you guys listening, uh, a lot of you guys were actually tuning in whenever I was on the air, hosting or co-hosting, whatever, and you guys were sending in tweets saying, hey, get more of this guy on. And I appreciate you guys doing that, for those who did. Again, it was a fun run, and I'm very grateful and appreciative of all of the people in this industry that gave me a chance to work for them. I really do. Uh, even though I wasn't happy with some of the way things were going. Uh, still very appreciative of, of, of all of those in the past who have uh, brought me into their uh, to their place. Whether it was a, a station, a magazine, a, a newspaper, whatever it was. I was, I was. I'm thankful for that. I really am. It's just my time in that industry, it's over. Uh, I had a family friend ask me if I'm still doing it. And they were encouraging me to. I said, look, I'm done. 
I truly am. And I'm 100% happy with that. No regrets. Fun ride. It's just that chapter of my life is in the past. You guys have been asking about it. Uh, and a lot of you guys even uh, were supportive during all these other ventures. As you guys followed me on social media. And I thank you all for that. Uh, I'm happy with this podcast and blogging as well. And I, I don't anticipate to go beyond that. Uh, so with that said, I hope this answers all of the questions. And I, I believe it does. Uh, I believe I've answered everything. And a lot of you guys have been asking me to address it. And I did. This is the only time I will address that part of my life. With that said, let's wrap up the show. Start by going around the NFL. And let's talk about former Chiefs quarterback, starting with Alex Smith. Good news, his wife, Elizabeth Smith, posted on social media. He is home, been dealing with an infection in the uh, leg where he had surgery and... A lot of scary news, a lot of scary possibilities that could have came out of it, but right now is home and resting. Good news for him. Look, you you can still stand by all the opinions you had. I know people said they felt bad about their criticism. You don't have to feel bad about the criticism you had about Alex Smith, as long as you never made it a personal attack on him. Uh, listen, you, you got to still have your opinions on these kinds of things. Uh, but as far as Alex Smith this year and what he's dealt with, good to hear that he's home after it's, what's really been probably a long month. It probably felt like an eternity for him and his family. And now he's getting the rest he deserves for the holidays. Just stay with the family and enjoy time with them. He may not even play in 2017, but hopefully he can make some progress with his leg and just enjoy that downtime. Because he's been playing quite... He's had a roller coaster career. This guy really has. And I don't know if it really is time for him to hang it up. He signed a big deal. And it, by the way, even if he retires, he gets $31 million the next two years total. So... Not a bad gig at all to be a quarterback in the NFL. Guaranteed money. Gotta love guaranteed money in the NFL. But hey, uh, good for him. Very happy to hear. At home resting. And that's what he needs right now. Other former Chiefs quarterback I want to talk about. Nick Foles, who is starting right now for the Eagles. Now, Carson Wentz isn't done yet. He's been dealing with multiple injuries this year. But Philly's still alive, man. After that big win against the Rams, led by Nick Foles. Look. What happened last year? Carson Wentz goes down with an injury. Nick Foles takes over and leads him to a Super Bowl win. Now, they're not ruling out Carson Wentz yet, and I understand that, but listen. Nick Foles just gave you your biggest win of the season. Why go against him at this point, right? Look what happened last year. Look what happened last Sunday night. I know Nick Foles has not been very good this year either when he has played, but now when it matters the most, when you're still alive and still trying to fight for that spot, with... The Alex Smith injury in the division and the Cowboys a little bit of a setback after being shut down. Maybe the Eagles have a chance to sneak into the playoffs. Let's see how that goes. My NFC title game prediction was Cowboys and uh, and Bears, but hey, the Eagles are making a bit of a run here, man. They really are. So let's see how things go. Maybe the Cowboys and Bears could sneak in, be the top two NFC teams in the playoffs. Maybe the Eagles can make uh, some some moves in the playoffs and surprise teams once again. Who, who knows? We'll see. One NFC team that might not make it, the Panthers. They started 6-2 and two and have lost five straight games since then. Lots of talk about Ron Rivera, two-time coach of the year with the Panthers. May lose his job, may not be retained. Cam Newton, uh, ESPN reporting that he might be done for the year. In fact, the Panthers thinking about shutting him down for the year. And Tyler Henneke, uh, the third-year QB from Old Dominion is the saving grace for the Panthers. If there was ever a time to call Colin Kaepernick, 
this would be the time because I don't think the Panthers have any hope whatsoever and listen even if you get cap he's not going to be ready right away and it might be too late by the time he does play in week 17 so let's be honest uh it's a, probably a done deal if you're a Panthers fan last thing I want to touch on Drew Brees another quarterback I want to talk about very cool story uh he obviously just surpassed the uh, NFL record for uh, passing yards in a career he did something very special honoring all of the players he has completed a pass to. All the wide receivers, tight ends, running backs, fullbacks. Uh, he, he created a uh, special design football with uh, w- with a picture of that player on there catching a football. And it shows some of their stats and mentions that they caught a pass from Drew Brees at one point. Honoring all of these guys is a very cool way to honor uh, all the guys who have... Look... The QB obviously is the big position in the NFL, but there are guys out there that have to help the QB succeed, and wide receivers are part of it. Very cool to see Drew Brees do that. Now, I will say, one of these days, got to do something similar for guys who have blocked for you over the years. Because everyone knows that with offensive li- without an offensive line, an offense is nothing. Very cool to see Drew Brees do that. However, if a lot of QBs do honor their teammates in some way, I want to see a QB out there honor offensive linemen. I don't think we've ever seen anything like that. Let's see a QB out there do that next. Let's go out of bounds. Okay, this is a bit of an old story, but I still want to touch on this because I never had the chance to. The Chicago Bulls fired... Their head coach, Fred Hoiberg, recently, former Iowa State head coach. Lots of success at Iowa State, by the way, as a player and a coach. Uh, Iowa State was not very good last year under Steve Prom. Hoiberg kept ISU very competitive. They were either fourth or above in the Big 12, Big 12 after Hoiberg's first year coaching Iowa State. Listen, with with Fred Hoiberg now out there, if Steve Prom doesn't do anything to get the Cyclones team going and being competitive, and look, I get it, the Jayhawks are a very competitive team. They're number one in the nation right now. That's how hard it is to even compete in the Big 12. But if Steve Prom doesn't show any signs of competitiveness from this Iowa State team, make that change. Bring back Hoiberg, who is a Cyclone from birth, a college player as a coach. This guy's a Cyclone, so it would be worth bringing him back, and it could make for a great story. By the way, this guy kind of had the secret to beating KU at time. Remember Hilton Magic? That was a thing, especially against the Jayhawks. So, look, uh, I know we got a lot of KU fans, but let's be honest. We all love the competition. Let's bring out the best in everybody. I think Iowa State, at the end of the year, they might let go of Steve Prom and bring back Fred Hoiberg for another stint with the Cyclones. Something to uh, keep an eye, eye out for. By the way, NFL ratings I mentioned are up. Thursday Night Football ratings, according to Forbes, up 7% this year. Advertisers have not left at all. In fact, the ad value has gone up after a two-year decline in the ratings. A lot of blame surrounding the protest, plus Donald Trump's comments. Uh, The ratings for everything were down, though. Not just the NFL, everything. And a lot of people credited that to people cutting the cord. Well... This year seems to be kind of odd because NFL ratings are going up, but you're not seeing it in other sports. Why is it that the NFL ratings are up? A lot of people are crediting that to all the high scoring. Patrick Mahomes is a big part of that. So 
what's it going to take to see other sports leagues, such as college football, Major League Baseball, the NBA, to see an increase in their ratings? Would it be a better offense? Historically, this is one of the better scoring years we've seen in the NFL. It's taken that to essentially have the ratings go up. Could that be something that we see in other sports, or is that an innocuous thing to assume? Let me know your thoughts. Facebook.com slash Farzine Vesugian, Twitter.com slash Farzine21, plus my email Farzine at Farzine We talked about this last week. We're going to talk about it again. Stupid package robbers. Now, somebody out there decided to ante it up. Because his package was stolen recently, or not recently, but I guess years ago, and he reported this to the police, and I guess the police in his area said, look, this is not worth looking into. And listen, I, I, I hate when people steal from other people. I mean, that's someone's hard-earned money right there, the package that they paid for and you're trying to steal from them. Uh, so I'm surprised that they said that, but at the same time, I get it. Police officers are dealing with big-time robberies, bigger robberies. Unfortunately, there are... Murders taking place, kidnappings, rapes, I mean, assault, those kinds of things are happening. Uh, and I, it also depends on where you live and that kind of thing. But one guy decided to ante it up, so he decided to create a fake package, which we've seen a lot of these. Uh, you either hear shotgun shells or sirens, but some people take a box. It is a real box. It's not a fake box like those uh, ones that make sound when you pick it up. Uh, but people will take the package, they'll take it to their car, or they'll take it home. And when they open it, open the box up, glitter shoots everywhere in the car or at home. And I've got to say, you know what they say about karma, right? Well, uh, props to this guy who created this package where glitter just basically pops up and floats around everywhere. By the way, I guess he created a bad smell also because people have been complaining he put hidden cameras inside these boxes by the way and what he does is he tracks down the gps where these things this guy's like a genius technology guy he really is so he tracks down where the package is because people end up throwing it away and he gets the package back and reuses it again so tricky tricky but to be honest i think those people deserve it they really do i mean you want to steal from people well pay the price by having glitter all over your car or in your house and the reaction you see from people it's actually pretty funny as a matter of fact i'll um i'll post a link to it if you don't if you haven't uh, seen this yet i'll post a link to it uh if you want check back to my facebook page and twitter account wednesday evening uh i'll post a link on it that way you guys can check it out for yourselves final segment of the show let's throw some penalty flags We've been talking about former Chiefs quite a lot, so hey, let's talk about one more former Chief, Marcus Peters, who refused to tackle an Eagles running back who just walked on in for a touchdown. Marcus Peters was right there, could have made a play, and Zeddy just kind of opens his arms like, what was I supposed to do? And the Eagles player got in. And then at some point during the game, Peters was on the sidelines, and a fan was heckling him, which, look, I don't agree with this. Fan was, I guess, saying a lot of things to him. But the person who started recording, as soon as he started, Marcus Peters turned around, actually went into the stands and started talking to this fan. A lot of NSFW, 
language was uh, exchanged. And the Rams were not happy about it. The NFL not very happy about it. And the people who work security at the Rams, the head security guys, not very happy about it either. First of all, when Marcus Peters walked over, why didn't security walk over to do something about it? Second of all, I think the NFL needs to consider something here. Because at the end of the day... The people who sit front row, just because you paid a lot of money for that expensive seat, doesn't give you the right to just badger a player, uh, whether it's on the opposing team or on your own team. Uh, At the end of the day, the NFL needs to have more security for that section because that is the area where fans, and again, a lot of them go out there and they drink a lot, that is where fans really can do some stupid things and some fans feel like they're invincible because the players they have no right to do anything once Marcus Peters got up to that fan that's when the fan just stopped talking so look do I blame Marcus Peters completely no I I, I think that fan deserves some of the blame perhaps security as well for not calming that guy down uh but I think the NFL and other sports leagues should have added security because especially in basketball man it is pretty easy to be within arm's length of those players there it really is and uh, you really don't want to have something that could go out of hand. We haven't seen that necessarily, at least not yet. We saw the run our testing, but uh, or Meta World Peace, whatever you want to call him. But that's a very rare incident in sports. Uh, let's just hope these kinds of things don't happen often. And let's hope that this video is a lesson for everyone, players and fans who attend games. Just don't bother these. Don't bother the players. Just don't. So in the section of the newspaper of what the hell were you thinking, the Oakland Raiders have signed quarterback Nathan Peterman. It's like they don't even want to improve. Hey, look, we're having a really terrible season. By the way, John Gruden supposedly loves him and was was impressed by him. Uh, Look, uh, if, if there was any chance to let Orlando Skandrick look like Ty Law, put Nathan Peterman in there. And listen... The Raiders might have one of those games where either they say, hey, let's finish on a strong note, let's let Derek Carr play, or hey, it's been a long season, let's let the backups play. Let's let Nathan Peterman play. This would be his audition game to be a backup for 2019, right? Uh, Boy, if Nathan Peterman plays, uh, I hate to do this kind of thing, but I would pretty much pencil in a win right there. That would be the breakdown, that Nathan Peterman is the quarterback for the Raiders. Is there anything else that you would have to say about that? I, I I just don't understand why this guy has a job. And I'm, I don't want to make this a Kaepernick thing, although we could go there. I, I don't want to because everyone else is discussing that. But why? I mean, listen, even outside of Kaepernick, there has to be another quarterback out there available better than Nathan Peterman. There has to be. You're going to tell me no one else is better available? There's no way that's possible. And you guys know me, I I hate bad drivers, I hate stupid drivers. Uh, A former police officer saved a baby who, uh, and look, I guess this was was in a neighborhood in California where a lot of their neighbor, a lot of houses are actually facing big, big streets, big intersections, and there was a baby trying to chase a ball that he lost, that he fumbled, lost possession of, and this police officer, uh, former police officer, excuse me, got out of his car to stop the traffic and to stop the baby. Meanwhile, there is an SUV uh, going uh, the other direction because the baby actually got to the median at one point. Uh, 
this dumb SUV, the driver does not even care to stop. There's a baby that's in the median, doesn't even make an effort to stop for this baby. Why? Probably texting and driving. Not paying attention to what's happening on the road. And thank God, not only was this baby saved by the the former police officer, but was at the very least at the median. Wasn't even close to that SUV. Look, I, I, I don't know how many times I have to say this, and I'll continue to say it again. Put the damn phones away, folks. It can wait. Trust me. Save it for the red light. If it's ur- that urgent or if it's super urgent, pull over somewhere. Uh, I mean, look, a lot of people have voice commands now in their cars and on their phones. If you have a Bluetooth-connected uh, uh, vehicle that can detect Siri. I mean, people have that now. Uh, shame on that driver, man. There's a baby in the middle of the road. Now, there should be some some blame on the parents. I mean, look, I don't understand people who have kids or who have pets or both, and they don't watch out for them. Uh, I, I just don't get that. If you're going to have a pet and or a kid, have the responsibility of looking out for them and not letting them loose so much. I mean, these parents are definitely the ones to blame as well. Can't forget about that. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode of the Chiefs Zone Podcast. My name is Farzim Vesugian. Picking the Chiefs to win this one, 31-30. Narrow victory Sunday night in Seattle. I'll do the Facebook Live videos at halftime and after the game, so join me for that. The next time you guys will hear from me on this podcast will be Monday morning. That will be Christmas Eve. And then our preview episode against the Raiders, that will come out very early because of the holidays. Plus, I'll be in Vegas. So that will come out on Christmas Day, the morning of the uh, 25th. So that will be our Raiders preview show. So two podcasts back-to-back of the Chiefs Don't Podcast next week. Again, join me on Facebook, facebook.com slash farzivasugian, twitter.com slash farzin21, and my email, farzin at farzinvasugian.com. Subscribe, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify. Share them as well. Share the links on social media. Greatly appreciated for those who do that and spread the word for the Chiefs Zone Podcast. Once again, I'm Farzin Vasugian. Thank you all for listening. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy all the football action this weekend. Hopefully we can... Recap a Chiefs Sunday Night Football win, and if NFL Communications, assuming they're accurate with their playoff scenarios, hopefully we can talk about the Chiefs getting a division win and a first-round bye and possibly home field advantage. All of that perhaps possible after Sunday Night Football. We'll talk about that and much more on Monday and Tuesday's episode of the Chiefs Home Podcast. Take care.